Hi, welcome to the Quipster Film Review Podcast. My name is Vince Leo. I am the film critic for the website Quipster.net. I invite you to check out over 3,800 of my written reviews at that site, Quipster.net, Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R.net. Today I'm going to be looking at, I'm not sure what you count this as, some people might count this as the sixth film in the main X-Men series, some people might count it as the third film in the first class series, some people might even call it the ninth film in the X-Men universe, I don't know how it goes, but it's X-Men Apocalypse, it is an action sci-fi film. It's PG-13 rated because of sequences of violence, action and destruction, some brief strong language, and suggestive images. It runs two hours and 24 minutes, and the cast brings back James McAvoy and Michael Fassbender. Newcomer and the main heavy in this film is Oscar Isaac. Jennifer Lawrence, Rose Byrne also reappear. Ty Sheridan, Nicholas Holt, Sophie Turner, Evan Peters, and many more are in the film as well as younger versions of the X-Men. The director is Brian Singer, as was for the previous film, as well as two of the original series X-Men films. Simon Kimberg gets credit for the screenplay. Now, this is a film, interestingly enough, which gives a sideways swipe to the much maligned X-Men The Last Stand. There's a, there's a scene in this film where we see some of the characters walking out of a screening of Return of the Jedi, because this is set in 1983. One of the characters makes the comment that the third film in the series is always the worst one. For fans of X-Men The Last Stand, obviously this is a dig. But I do think that it sure takes a lot of cojones to bring out that statement because this is theoretically the third film in the X-Men First Class series. So this is, for all intents and purposes, the third film. And you could just say that this is commenting on its own series because this is easily the worst film in this trilogy. And I would say that it's also arguably worse than the film that it's trying to skewer. You know, it's kind of mystifying because I do think that it's an especially curious dig at The Last Stand when you consider that the writer of that line in this film, Simon Kimberg, the credited screenwriter, is also the screenwriter for X-Men The Last Stand. Is he really trying to diss his own work? Completely mystifying to me. Now, this entry in the retro X-Men series finds the mutants in the series alternate universe year of 1983. This is 10 years after the events that took place in Days of Future Past. The Cold War is rampant between the United States and the Soviet Union, and most people are already worried about being on the brink of annihilation of life on Earth within just a few hours if nuclear war should ever break out, but now they have bigger things to worry about. We discover Eric Lencher, a.k.a. Magneto, is living as a closeted mutant to try to keep his family safe. He's working in Poland as a metal worker, and he's living there incognito or or incognito, I guess, with his loving wife and his young daughter. Meanwhile, Professor Charles Xavier is at the mansion that serves as the so-called school for gifted youngsters, which consists of basically mutants confronting who they are and learning to control their powers under his guidance. Both Charles and Eric have their home worlds rocked in tragedy soon enough in this film. Meanwhile, in kind of a third string of this film, Mystique is spending her time traveling to the four corners of the Earth, trying to liberate mutants wherever she can, such as the German teleporter Nightcrawler, among others. The mutants begin to fight amongst each other yet again when the world's first mutant, the powers-absorbing Ensaba Noor, 
also known as Apocalypse, is resurrected from his dormant state in which he's been since 3600 BC. He wastes no time in hatching a plan to lay conquest to the entire planet. He sets about pulling together powerful mutant accomplices, dubbed his Four Horsemen, in an effort to bring humanity under their rule after threatening the humans with nuclear annihilation. So now it's up to Xavier and Mystique and Beast and a band of untested gifted students to fight for the right of people who want their kind mutants destroyed from being crushed under the rule of these mad mutants. As he did with four of the core X-Men films, and by the core films I mean the original trilogy as well as this new first-class trilogy, Apocalypse is directed by Brian Singer, who has seemingly done little wrong, I feel, thus far. He finally hits here a creative wall in this latest outing. It's not that it's entirely his fault, as X-Men Apocalypse finds its stride early. We see some pretty good work by the Helmer in setting up some of the supporting characters that will play a larger role toward the climax later in the film. You know, as long as it stays with the X-Men, it's good. I think the main problem with the film comes when the character of Apocalypse, whom we're introduced to in a cameo of his origins in the age of ancient Egypt in the opening scene, he emerges into the realm of the 1980s. And that's when the trouble for this movie really happens. He learns everything that has happened on Earth within the last five millennia by absorbing television broadcasts, kind of like Johnny Five did really quickly in short circuit where he just flips through books and all of a sudden he has all knowledge. And that's no joke. This is what Apocalypse does. He becomes a virtual couch potato so we can learn all about what's going on in the world. Though Apocalypse is as powerful as they come, he lacks interesting qualities as the bad guy, other than his ability to do pretty much anything he sets his mind to do. He's not too far removed from Imhotep from the Stephen Summers series The Mummy. You know, Apocalypse's use in this film is to serve mostly as an excuse to showcase destruction of well-known terrestrial landmarks and landscapes on a massive scale. It's all eye candy here. While the four horsemen are converted to his cronies with minimal rationale, they're shoehorned in to make for instant adversaries and to squeeze in more barely developed characters such as the younger versions of Storm and Cyclops and Angel and Psylocke, who I presume is going to become part of the spin-off series that they're proposing, the X-Force series. A young Jean Grey is also in here too. Presumably they're going to be utilized in future films, but that remains a question since they say that this is the last of the first class series. I guess we'll find out soon enough. The best scene in the prior film, Days of Future Past, gets somewhat recreated here in X-Men Apocalypse. This time, there's another lengthy music video montage in which Quicksilver is in speed mode while the world around him is in slow motion. It's set to the eurythmic sweet dreams are made of this. It's great eye candy. I, I love this effect. But somehow the regurgitated nature of this, when compared to the work in Days of Future Past, it makes it feel like an obligatory fan service this time around, instead of what it was originally, a wholly pleasant surprise in Days of Future Past. Now it feels like, oh, let's do another one of these scenes. People seem to love it the first time around. There are attempts here at quieter moments. You know, I'll give it that credit. We have Professor Xavier's attempt to reconnect with an ex-love that he's wiped the memories of CIA agent or official, I'm not sure, Moira McTaggart, who's played by Rose Byrne, who was in the first class film. You know, these kinds of quieter moments also fail to compel 
through this sense of superficiality that has largely permeated the series thus far, but which they've managed to avoid because you don't really stop to think about things too much. And in, in this film, you're kind of forced to. Now, this series had once set itself apart through subversive social metaphors covering such things as sexuality and equality among people, using the mutants as representatives of those people who are underrepresented. But this entry mostly pushes such notions aside in lieu of lots of superhero flexing and posturing. It tries to give you poster-worthy shots of... All of these superheroes in comic book mode, basically doing their thing in grand style in front of green screen backgrounds of buildings that are crumbling into rubble and explosions going on galore. As for the rest of the movie, it's all overblown. It's overly violent. It's largely without much needed choice comic relief save for that diss of X-Men The Last Stand that ends up boomeranging in its face. And there's also not that kind of particularly revelatory thematic subtext that we've come to enjoy from the X-Men films. And that's a shame given that the early 1980s setting is rife for a lot of truly funny pop culture references or even a wealth of historical importance to the era. So where is the fun? Where is the gravitas in X-Men Apocalypse? That's my main question. In place of the fun and the gravitas that we should be getting, we get monotony and a lot of plot points that dart around with little expository effort to hold it all together. It's a shame that Brian Singer did not wrangle more screenwriters in than Simon Kimberg. You know, Simon Kimberg's prior work, The Fantastic Four, that god-awful movie that just came out a year ago, and it stunk to high heaven, it, that, that represented the worst the blockbuster superhero genre has had to offer in some time. Surely we can't give the keys to the kingdom to just him alone. It's such a shame for the series to fall apart so swiftly and so spectacularly after such a great run of X-Men movies thus far, not counting those couple that people have a quibble with. And it happened so early in this film, too, especially disappointed because they've decided to go so big with the scope of X-Men Apocalypse that... They're going to stymie themselves when the future series will be challenged to deliver anything bigger than the scale of this film. But that's okay, though, because I'll settle for better, if not bigger, the next time around, because this entry represents the kind of bloated and brain-dead spectacle-first mentality that Brian Singer and company have been so successful at avoiding all along. I'm giving... X-Men Apocalypse, a very low for the series. My lowest grade for any X-Men film thus far, save for X-Men Origins Wolverine. I'm giving it two stars out of four, and two stars on my scale means that I think that it is lacking something vital that keeps it from being one of the better films in the superhero subgenre. I've liked the X-Men films thus far. I am not criticizing them. I gave high marks to X-Men First Class. I gave equally high marks to X-Men Days of Future Past. I love the original X-Men trilogy as well, including I even was a defender of The Last Stand. And yet, somehow, X-Men Apocalypse just managed to be on a par with such films as Batman versus Superman. I think it's on that level of disappointment. I'm sorry to say, and I'm sorry, fanboys. I know that you want everybody to say such great things about your favorite superheroes all the time. I want to say that, too. I really like the X-Men, but this one's a real disappointment. Two stars out of four is all I can give. 
X-Men Apocalypse. I think it's the worst of the main X-Men films. Hopefully they'll learn their lessons and rebound for the next one. I think Brian Singer will be out at least until somebody else messes up again and then he'll probably come back. Also, I do want to mention before I go, there is a small scene after the credits, which I presume will be setting up for the final supposedly Hugh Jackman solo Wolverine adventure. So if you're a fan of that, you'll want to stick around till the post credits for that. Thanks, everyone, for listening. I hope that you enjoyed the review, even if I didn't have a lot of good things to say for what I'm sure you were anticipating was going to be a great film, I guess. But if you do want to hear more of my work, I do encourage you to check out my podcast. The Quipster Film Review Podcast is the name. You can find me on iTunes and any place else where you download your podcasts. Obviously, you found it somehow here. If you want to write to me directly, if you just want to send me a flame because you hate the fact that I would slam anything to do with the X-Men, you can do so by going to my website. You can find my contact information there as well as links to my Twitter feed and Facebook page. All of those are perfectly acceptable ways to get in touch. Until next time, I hope that you enjoy your time when you get to go to the movies. And, you know, if you go to X-Men Apocalypse and you end up disagreeing with me, hey, that's great. I'm glad that you got your money's worth out of it because I sure didn't. Nevertheless, I'll still stick around for this series because they've done pretty good work so far. I'm sure they'll bounce back. At least I hope so. 